This is the Life Church Podcast. Good morning, everybody. So glad you're here. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for doing so. My name's Tony. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church. Um, you know, over the past uh, six weeks or so, we've been in this series called Eight Hills Some Things Are Worth Dying For. And it's really a, a, a series about the values of Life Church, who we are, our DNA, the things that really make us a tick, that motivate us, that keep us moving forward. The hills that will say, we're going to die on these hills. These are the things that we're going to fight for. This is the things that we're going to stand for. And so over the last six weeks, we've unpacked those week by week. And next week, um, Pastor Rich will be closing out that, this series in the eighth week. So I know it's been long, but um, it's been important. It's been valuable. This week, we're talking about generosity. <clears throat> and so whenever we talk about generosity, we, we start thinking, oh, man, okay, he's going to start talking about my money, my money, right? Um, Obviously, when we think in terms of generosity, we can think about uh, our finances, but that's a very limited uh, view of, of, of generosity. Generosity encompasses so much more than just our finances. In fact, we've uh, defined the value of uh, generosity in this way. Generosity is at the heart of God, and when we give generously, we reflect his heart. Generosity frees our heart from greed and makes us partners with God in changing the world. And we can never outgive God, therefore we choose to give generously. Generosity is at the heart of God. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to be like Jesus. Every day I want to be a little bit more like Jesus. And so to reflect him, I, am, I too am generous. You know, I, I've been transformed in my life. I hope that you have too. I gave my life to Jesus and I was addicted. I was an alcoholic. I was depressed and Jesus freed me. He changed my life. He transformed me. But he didn't just transform me one time. He's continually transforming me. And what did he transform me into? He's transforming me into the image of Christ. To be more like him. That it just becomes my heart. His heart becomes my heart. The things that are important to him become important to me. That every single day we're a little bit more like him. And so this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. <clears throat> we're going to look at this story. It's the, the, many of us have heard it. It's the story of the, the, the prodigal son, as it's titled. That's not a very accurate uh, depiction of the story because it's actually a story about two sons and their father. And these two sons' inability to see the true character of their father through their own selfishness, through their own pride, through their own sin. And so Jesus gives us this, uh, this amazing story about generosity, uh, the, this generous and loving father. And so I define generosity in this way. And this is the lens that we're going to view this story through. Generosity is a readiness and a willingness to go above and beyond what is expected or necessary. A readiness and a willingness to go above and beyond what is, what is necessary or expected. And if that doesn't define the love of God, if that doesn't define how God treats us, I don't know what does. And so Jesus tells us uh, this story of the lost son. And we've heard hundreds of messages, if you've been a believer for any amount of time um, on, on this. It's one of Pastor Rich's uh, messages. He could probably preach, preach this message way better than I could. My first message, actually was on the prodigal son, and it was brutal. And I thank God that it was not recorded. <laughs> so I could just forget that it ever happened. But whenever I read this story, I think about, thank you, Jesus, that I, that I don't have to live through that again. 
But Jesus tells us three parables in a row. And in each parable, the thing that is lost is, increases in value. So the first one we have, uh, like that song we just sang, Reckless Love. He talks about the, the, this, this, the shepherd has 100 sheep, and he loses one of the sheep. And so most shepherds are going to be like, well, it's just part of the business. You'll lose a sheep every once in a while. But that's not what this shepherd does. He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one because that, that one is just as valuable as the other. And when he finds it, he brings it back and there's a great celebration. And just so you know, we are the sheep in that story. And I, Jesus talks a lot about us as sheep. And I just want you to know that's not really a complimentary <laughs> phrase. Sheep are very stupid. <laughs> and so I, that's a sermon for another day though. We'll get into that a different time. The second story is the story of a woman who has 10 silver coins. And it, you could really, uh, it's, it's about like a year's salary. And so she loses, she loses one of those coins. That would be like, well, depending on how much you make, you know, uh, that'd be like losing five or $10,000 in your house somewhere. And you're like, man, honey, did you see that $10,000 I had laying around here? Is it, it's not in the couch cushions. It's not in my old pants pocket. <laughs> Have you seen it? Well, this woman searches high and low, and then she finds this, this coin, and, and then she celebrates with her friends that this coin was found. So we have 100 sheep, we have 10 coins, and then we have two sons. So let's start reading. Jesus, he continues on in, in, in verse 11 of, verse, of chapter 15. He said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the, young, the younger son got, all, got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. And there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a, fa- a severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent, sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. And he... He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Let's stop there. Jesus is, is telling a story, and it, it is like a, an extreme example. So there's really two types of, uh, two, two groups of people that Jesus is targeting with this parable, with these parables. This first group is like uh, the, the, the sinners of the day, the tax collectors, the, the prostitutes, the, the outcasts, those who are tossed to the wayside. And then there's a second group of people that are like the religious elites of the day, the, 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 the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes and their followers. And so Jesus is telling this, uh, this, this message to, to relate to them who God is, who the Father is and his heart for them, no matter where they stand. But this is such an extreme example that for the first century Jew, all of these things, and we'll go through some of them, these were highly offensive things that the son was doing. So you have to imagine, Jesus is telling the story and, and you, you'd hear people going, oh, what? You, or have you ever heard a mom go, oh. You would hear people, Jesus talking and somebody would go, oh, he what? I never. Just imagine that as it's going on. When we read this story, you know, when I read the story the first time, I'm like, man, it just sounds like a guy who's not making very great decisions. But Jesus is illustrating that each one of these things that he does is highly offensive. It's highly like a spit in the face to the father. So we have this son who comes to his dad and is a wealthy, wealthy, influential, affluent man. And he says, dad, I don't want to wait till you die to get my inheritance. So can I have it now? 
And there would be time, times in those days when, when a father would say, yeah, you know what, you can have, for the younger son, it would be a third of it. You can have your third, but the son would take it and he would use it to expand the family business. But that's not what the son did. This son took that inheritance. He essentially said, I wish you were dead. I, I, and takes the money and he just, he just bolts. He leaves. He betrays the family. He embarrasses the family name. And it says that the, and Jesus is very careful in the words that he's using here because it says now, this son, he went off and he, he went to a far and distant country. So Jesus is saying that the, the father remained, the father remained, and the son, he went far off. The father remained and the son left. This is, this is the plight of, of, of humanity. If you're feeling far away from God, it's not him who moved. It's us. And he's still here. He's still waiting, open armed. If you feel far away from God today, all you have to do is turn to him. All you have to turn, do is turn your heart to him and say, God, I need you. And he's here. He's waiting. So this son, he, he goes out and he wastes it all on, on prodigal living, on wild living. The, the older son later, he says he spent it all on prostitutes. Whatever it is, he wasted this money, this hard-earned money of this father. Soured, the, sullied the name, their name. And then he does, oh, then there was a famine in the land. It's, things just keep getting worse. And then he does what we will all do when, when we find ourselves in a situation. We think, how can I get out of this on my own? I still, I could still figure this out. Because what he does is he, he says he hires himself out to a citizen what that, uh, of, of that country. Basically what he's doing is he's attaching himself still to that place. He said, I can't go home. I'm going to dig my heels in deeper. I'm going to plant myself here. And my selfishness, my pride is going to keep me here. And so then that guy says, okay, you want to work for me? You can go feed the pigs. At that point, you would have heard gasps. <laughs> pigs. To first century Jew, there was nothing more disgusting than pigs. They represented the pagan world. They were unclean. They were disease-filled. And then... He says he went to, he, he, he was so hungry, he longed to eat what they were eating. You probably would have heard people dry heaving. It's just disgusting. With the pigs, are you kidding me? Each one of these things is just like, oh, this is horrible. Well, and then they would have thought, this, the story's over. Okay. This kid, he betrayed his family, his father. He went down this road of destruction, and now it's over. That's, that's he's getting what he deserved. But then it says this in verse 17. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and I will go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. It's obvious that this son had no idea what it meant to be a son. His sin had so distorted his view of his father, had so lowered his view of, his, of the father that he said, you know what, there's no way that my father's gonna take me back after what I did. So maybe I could be like one of the hired men. I, I know I can't be like a servant, but maybe I could just go and sit underneath one of the servants and their table scraps could fall into my lap and at least it would be better than this. And that's what sin does. That's what our selfishness does. It's a, it, it sours our view of the Father. and say, God, I'm too far gone. There's no way that you can take me back after what I've done. There's not grace enough for me. There's not mercy enough for me. But then this happens. 
He says this, but while, or, so he says, so he got up. That means that he pulled up his stakes. It means that he had planted himself there before, but now he's, he's pulling up the stakes and he's saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a long, hard swallow and I'm going to go home. He's pulling up everything that he is, and he, he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So G- Jesus is saying, is showing the, the, this extreme example of sin and depravity and bankruptcy of the heart. And now he's showing us the extreme generosity of a father. Because it was the son who left, the son who was far away. It was his own doing. The father didn't want him to leave. The son did that on his own. And now it says he's not back yet. It's not like he came back to the house, but he's still, a far, he's still far away. And the father saw him, which means that the father was looking for him. And in those days, if you were an influential, affluent, uh, wealthy patriarch of the day, you would have been in the house. And if the son would have come back, the, the son would have come and, and been at your feet, kneeled at your feet and groveled and pleaded for mercy. And maybe the father would have given it. But he wouldn't have been waiting outside looking for his son. And he certainly wouldn't have run to him. But we see this father run to his son and he, he has compassion, which means his vitals moved. His heart started pumping. His, his, he started getting those butterflies in his stomach. This is the day that he'd been longing for. And he runs to his son and he says he throws his arms around his son. And he, he kisses him. The Greek there means he covered his face in kisses. This is the son who's with the pigs. He smells like the pigs. He's covered in what pigs are covered in. He'd been traveling. He's gross. The father didn't come up to him and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's get you in the shower and then we'll have ourselves a good hug. He didn't do that. He ran up to him. He, he was longing for this day, dreaming of this day, threw his arms around his son and covered his face with kisses. And then the son says this. The son says this, this speech that he's prepared. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. The son has his speech prepared and he says, Dad, I know I'm, I'm a, I was a terrible son and I'm not worthy to be, even be your son. Can I just be like one of your servants? Listen, the father doesn't even dignify that, that speech with a response. He interrupts his son and he doesn't even say anything. And he just calls to one of his servants and says, quick, quick, run. Go get the best robe. Do you know whose the best robe was in the house? The father's robe. The master of the house. Go get that robe and put it on him. Go get that ring, that, that signet ring, the family ring with our family emblem on it and put it on his finger that says, he's my son again. Go get sandals and put them on his feet. Only people of the house wore sandals. Servants didn't wear sandals. And kill that fattened calf that we've been waiting to, to, to kill so we can celebrate. I've been waiting for this day. Jesus is telling these people, it doesn't matter how far you've gone. This is why I came. It's the sick that are in need of a physician and I am the great physician. There's not, there's not too far to go that, that you cannot be saved. Listen, the father was under no obligation to take his son back. He was under no obligation to take his son back, but he, he delighted in showing mercy. It was because of this great generosity, this great generosity of affection and encouragement, generosity of his resources, everything that he had, that he said, come, son, you're my son. You're my boy. 
And so for most of us, we read that, I have, and I'd be like, well, okay, I'm the first son. So we stop there. But there's a second son. In verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. He said, Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered to his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property, another version says devoured your wealth with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? See, the Jews are waiting to say, okay, well, he showed us the bad son. Now he's going to show us the good son. This is what a good son looks like. He's going to contrast, but that's not what we see here because here we see a son that's far away from the father as well. Even though he's, he's in the house, this son has no idea what it is to be a son either. Because look, he comes to the house. Jesus is very, like I said, specific in the words that he's using, that this son was, he's around, but he was not like there. And he comes near the house and there's a party going on. He immediately thinks, well, that, that can't be good. A party? That's not good. So he just stays out there and he asks somebody, what's going on? He said, your brother. And he's like, oh, great, my brother. He's never stopped talking about my brother. But what about me? And then he refuses to go into the party. This too would have been a great offense. If, if a man is throwing a huge party, the whole town comes. And if his son refused to go in, that's a great offense. But the father, he goes out to this son as well. He goes out to this son and he pleads with them to come. Just come in. And this son, he, goes, he's, he doesn't even call him father. He says, look, this, I've been slaving for you. And this, this son of yours, he's not my brother. I'm not a part of this. He's your son. He squandered all this. He wasted your money. And you're gonna take him in? See, this son had it all. He didn't know what it was to be a son either. And he certainly didn't know what it was to be a father because he thought it was all about how he, he performed. I proved myself to you. And the father, he responds very tenderly here. In verse 31, he says, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive and he was lost and he was found. The father responds immediately with, my son. He's essentially saying, my son, don't you get it? Like, I don't care about the money. I don't care about the, the position or the title. I appreciate you're working hard, but that's not how you're going to gain my love. You've always been with me. I just want your heart. I just want you. I just want you. And that, that's what it is. Sometimes when we walk with the Lord for a long time, it becomes all about the doing. And we're trying to perform our way into the, into, the, into the kingdom, into God's favor, when God is saying, I've accepted you, I've loved you from the start. Before you were good enough, I've loved you. And it's out of that, out of that relationship, that's why we serve. That's why we're generous. That's why we give. 
not to prove anything. You see, we often look at this story and we say, excuse me, we, all, we often say, okay, this is for the, the good guys, the sinners, right? That's who we are. And then the Jesus' arch enemy, those sneaky Pharisees. And yeah, they were enemies of God, but you know what? Jesus was telling the story to have mercy on them as well. He's saying, I love you, but it's not about the outside. It's about the inside. He's extending his love, his generous love. Like I said before, God, the Bible says that God delights in showing mercy. He's under no obligation to take any one of us in. But he delights in showing mercy. He delights in being gracious with us. He delights in being generous, over the top, not giving us what we deserve. I thank God I don't get what I deserve. But he is generous. And then... We give our lives to him and he transforms us and he changes us. And like Colossians 3 says, we are, for, we are changed into the image. We are transformed into the image of Christ. It doesn't mean that we're gods ourselves, but we're transformed into the image. We become more like him every single day. And then we are generous with every part of us. We're generous with our affection, with our encouragement, with our patience, with our grace, with our mercy, with our finances, with our resources, with our energy, with our time. We're generous. It's just the overflow of who we are. We can't help it. I grew up and there was this, uh, this man I knew. Um, his name was Orville and he was an usher in our church and he was just like one of those people that I thought he was just always old. Like as long as I'd ever known him, he'd been old. So I was like, well, he must have been born just old. And I don't think that was true. I don't have proof, but I don't think that was true. And Orville was just a very seemingly average person. He wasn't a very charismatic or outgoing person. He was an usher at our church for probably 35 years until he passed away in his late 80s. But I remember in his later days, he, um, you know, he was always the first one there and the last one to leave. He was... Uh, just weaker in his old age towards the end and he still would set up all the classrooms. He just wanted to do that. And so he couldn't carry the, 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 the chairs anymore. So what he would do is he'd go get a wheelchair and he'd take the, take, it and put it, take the chair and put it in the wheelchair and go bring it to the room that he needed to. He did this over and over and over and over on a Sunday morning and then put him back. And we're from North Dakota and I don't know if you know anything about North Dakota, but it is cold in the winter. Like you guys have no, if you live here and you think it's cold, you have no idea. You just have no idea. So you're not going to get a lot of uh, grace from me in the wintertime here. Um, but we had this, this parking lot that was a huge parking lot in Orville. Every, every Sunday, he'd park way on the far end of that parking lot. In the middle of winter, it could be like 45 mile an hour winds, you know, it's 30 below out and it's snowing. And you'd see Orville shuffling across the parking lot for, for this spot. And we'd say, Orville, man, surely after 35 years of serving here, you've earned a closer spot. I mean, you're, you're an elderly man. You can park closer. And he would say, no, no, no. There's, there's guests that are coming this morning. There's people that are coming that, that I want them to feel special. They deserve the, the closer spots. He thought, all right, man. Well, Orville passed away of old age one day. And uh, I remember going to his funeral. And I'm just going to be honest with you today. I went to his funeral mainly because I, I didn't think there was going to be a lot of people there. And I was amazed, I walked in, there was hundreds of people at this funeral. 
Pastor started talking about Orville. Orville never got married, never had a family, worked at the same place for 35, 40 years, just seemingly average, insignificant person. All of a sudden, the pastor says, is there anybody here that would want to say anything about Orville? And it was crazy. It was like a movie. It was like all of a sudden one person got up and another person got up. And all of a sudden there's this huge line of people all just waiting in line to talk about Orville. And this one woman, she got up and she said, I'm a single mom. My, 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 my husband, he ran out on us, left us with nothing. And Orville lived on my street and Orville found out about that. And so Orville would come to our house and he would... He'd fix things around our house and he'd fix our car. He'd pay for things. And there'd be times where I'd show up and in, in, in my mailbox would be money and I knew it was from Orville. Another lady got up and she was in a wheelchair. She said, I've been in a nursing home for many years and my family doesn't come visit me. My friends have all passed away. There's nobody else. And Orville would come two, three, four times a week and spend time with me. Play games with me, talk with me. Another man got up. He said, I worked with Orville for like 25, 30 years at this creamery. And in the winter, in North Dakota, it snows a lot. And he had this long driveway. He didn't have a snowblower. So he, when it would snow a lot, he'd out, be out there shoveling. And sometimes he'd be late for work because he wouldn't get it shoveled in time. And his boss would get angry with him. Well, Orville found out about this. And so when it would snow after that, a big snow, this guy would go outside to start shoveling his driveway and there would be Orville already shoveling. This is the type of man that he was. You know, Orville never had his face on a magazine. He never was given awards or accolades in this life. But I know that when Orville went to heaven, there was a parade for Orville. And Jesus is waiting there smiling and saying, well done, Orville. Well done. Come in. There's rewards waiting for you. And it is a gift to be generous because we get to, to the, the goodness of God gets to flow in us and then out of us. And people get to experience God's grace because of our life and because what of God has done in our life. And it's a selfish thing to hold it back. And for some of us, we believe the lie that there's just, I'm just too far gone. I've made too many mistakes and God can't, God can't forgive me. There's no grace for me. And so for some of us, we've walked with God for a long time that we've allowed selfishness to creep into our hearts or we feel like performing is what's gonna keep us in the club. When God is saying, you're my son, you're my daughter, and it all starts there and everything else flows out of that. And we never graduate from that. We never graduate from that. Would you stand across this place this morning? We all have a story, and I love hearing people's story because everyone has a different story, but the answer is the same. It's Jesus and the goodness and the generosity that he's shown towards us, and it's a transforming love. And for some of us in this room, we've had a distorted view about the goodness of God, and he wants to change that in our, in our hearts and our minds today. This morning, I'm, I'm gonna, I wanna make a call for anybody who wants to respond to Jesus. And I'm only gonna do that. I'm, I feel like if we, I did it a call for, um, for something else, we would we could all just, you know, raise our hand if we're being selfish. Um, but if you're here this morning and you, you're feeling far away from God, I'm gonna in a moment ask you to raise your hand in response to this question. And 
in doing so, I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you out or make you do anything weird. I wanna pray for you and I wanna know who I'm praying for. So if you're here this morning, you say, you know what, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want one. Or maybe you've had one in the past, but it's grown cold and stagnant and you, and you, need, to get, you need to get your life right with the Lord. You feel far away from God. If that's you, would you put your hand up in this place? I wanna pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Is there anybody else? Today will be the first day of your life. Thank you, you can put your hands down. If you raised your hand, you need to get your life right with the Lord. Even if you didn't raise your hand, just pray this prayer with me. God isn't looking for this perfect prayer. He's looking for your heart. And so as I pray, pray a prayer like this in your own heart. And then I'm gonna just pray for all of us. And then the team's gonna come. Our prayer team is here on each side of the, the stage. These are people that we love and, um, and know, trusted people. Let's pray. God, this morning, God, we're just, some of us in this place, Lord, we're far from you. We just feel a distance, God. And we just, all we do now is we just turn to you, Jesus. We turn to you, God. We turn away from the way we've been living, the things that we've been seeking and pursuing. And now we just turn to you, Jesus, and you're waiting open arms to welcome us in as a son, as a daughter. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from sin. But that's not all it does. It prepares a way for the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us and be upon us so we can walk in power. Giving the devil a bad day every day. So Lord, I pray that you just seal it. Well, those things that you've begun this morning, I pray you seal it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Lord, for those in this, of us in this room who have uh, gone into a performance mentality or seeking to prove uh, our salvation or, or, or have allowed selfishness to come into our hearts, Lord, we just pray against that, Lord. We just deny ourselves. We take up our cross and we follow you, Jesus. Every day, a life surrendered to you and say, Holy Spirit, do what you want in my life today. I pray that the love of God would so flow out of us. We'd be generous in all areas of our life because you are. We thank you, God, for who you are and who we are in you. In Jesus' name. This is the Life Church Podcast. 